We are proud to announce a new sponsor for this podcast, Augie's Locker Room. Augie's Locker Room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium, was named the best Notre Dame's collectible shop in the country. This shop is amazing. If you are a passionate Notre Dame fan and are looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, Augie's is the place to go. They have a wide selection of Notre Dame stadium pieces, jerseys, helmets, autographs, and one-of-a-kind Rockney items. They have an exclusive Joe Montana signed items. If Augie's doesn't have it in store, he will find it for you. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. AugiesLockerRoom.com or call 574-277-NDND. What is up everybody? Mike Singer from BlueAndGold.com with former Fighting Irish linebacker and captain Mike Goolsby, we're back with the Mike Goolsby Show. It's been uh, about seven weeks or so since we had our last Mike Goolsby Show. So Mike hit me up this morning, was like, yo, let's do a show. Uh, we've been trying to get one together here and uh, worked out great. My wife's out of town, so this is perfect. Um, Mr. Goolsby, how are you doing? I'm good, buddy. It's great to see you. Yeah, we tried to get something going early last week, get a pot up, and then I think you had a commitment forthcoming that evening and just it was a busy week last week yeah yeah so uh no it's good to be it's good to be back it's uh we're in the we're in the throes of summer it's 100 plus degrees here in omaha we got nd baseball coming to town uh it's a great time to be a be an irish fan for sure it really is i saw a graphic uh, or a tweet recently about notre dame being the only school in the country that made march madness played in a um you know new year six bowl game and made the college world series that's yeah. pretty cool it's a very selective yeah. kind of thing like i'm sure if you well maybe not that selective but um it's, it's pretty cool you know it's pretty cool no yeah you could sprinkle in some other sports women's basketball i know our fencing team is unreal you know yeah. they never get any love but uh yeah it's a great school and I know we want to talk about Coach Freeman's comments about the old Buckeyes in terms of their academic standards, class attendance, et cetera. So and we touched on this before on the show, Mike. Like, If there was a uh, kind of a laissez-faire college sports fan jump on board the Notre Dame bandwagon um, because these kids that are having success on the field, on the court, what have you, they're putting in the work in the classroom as well. So all that success that Notre Dame's enjoying in the athletic arena, um, off the field, they're doing things the right way as well. And when you can contrast that to an Ohio state, for example, that isn't always the case. Yeah. We'll, we'll dive into easy, easy, easy program to root for. Sorry, buddy. You think Notre Dame is easy program to root for the country doesn't feel that that, way. Well, we, and we talked, talked about this too. I, I do think that, maybe the last 15 or so years, I, I think that the way Notre Dame has chosen to brand itself, it's been a little bit of a holier than thou type approach to thing. things. I think bringing in coach Freeman, it's a little bit more of a down to earth approach. And I think it's, it's reminiscent of like a, like a Holtz type personality where Holtz kind of had a, a, a blue collar, kind of a grassroots. It was more relatable. Um, and I think we're kind of starting to get back to that. And it's, it's, 
the end result should be an easy a team that's or a program that's easier to, to pull for more again more more relatable okay i like it we'll dive into some of freeman's comments here um in, in just a moment um first want to make sure you guys um who are uh, watching us live on youtube make sure you hit the thumbs up on this video um if you're listening or if you're watching back uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up on this as well make sure uh, if you're listening via podcast subscribe to our podcast wherever you get that um and um yeah I don't know what other housekeeping items I usually go. Dollar for one year premium access at blueandgold.com. Um, follow us on Twitter, BGI News, all that kind of good crap. So typically for these shows, whether it's our Wednesday night show or the Goolsby show or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll have some topics lined up. A little bit of, not much of a script, but we have an idea of what we're talking about. This one, we have like two things that we'll just kind of... Uh, like this, this one is very... We're, we're just we're just going with the flow so definitely if you have a super chat drop it and we'll get to your question right away if you have any questions if you're with us live drop them in the comments i'll pick some of my favorites and we'll, we'll get to them with mr Goolsby. um but we have i would say we have like three things to kind of that we maybe maybe four that we're kind of we'll definitely roughly go over the first i want to pull up here um uh, in and mike touched on it is this Freeman has Marcus Freeman has not been shy about his love for Notre Dame overtaking his love for Ohio State. Basically, I mean, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, so I pulled. Let me pull this up. This is elevenwarriors.com, dot uh, a pretty good Ohio State site. Um, I don't know if this is taking a shot, but um, here's the headline quote. Take some classes online, show up for your appointments about Ohio State football. So let me let me read an excerpt of this article, okay? When discussing the academics at Notre Dame in an interview with CBS Sports, Freeman took an apparent shot at the academic rigor for Ohio State for an Ohio State football player, suggesting that if a player didn't want to go to class, he can just take some online classes, show up for your appointments. And here is the quote. I'm not saying from top to bottom, but the majority of our kids they, I want to say this is the right way, are pushed to learn and their study habits are formulated every day. You can't cheat academics at Notre Dame. Um, and then he said, you don't go to class, referring to Ohio State. Okay, take some online classes, show for your appointments at Notre Dame. You're forced to, forced every day to go to class. So I don't know if he's really taking a direct shot at Ohio State. He did not say at Ohio State, you know, you're, you're, there's no classes, you know, you're just, you know, you're riding easy here, but I, I, I can see where Ohio state fans can, you know, be a little salty at Marcus Freeman right now. Cause it's not, again, it's not like the, it's the first time he's made it very clear that, um, I, I like it. I, I, I don't remember the quote, Mike, but he's basically said, I wish I would have chose Notre Dame if, you know, if I were recruit again, um, so what, what do you think about all this? Yeah, what's, it's uh, maybe it's a nuanced shot in terms of shots fired. Maybe this one's a little bit nuanced. I had a, a lot of thoughts about this. Coach Freeman making that comment is somewhat coming off of the he heels of that little uh, cat fight between Saban and, and Jimbo and all the drama that kind of ensued there. So – Two premier programs. Ah, well, we, let's not call Texas A&M premier, but 
if their recruiting classes land and produce, then they're on their way. So that was kind of fun. It's a, this is the off season, Mike. We're trying to find topics to kind of spitball here between you and I. So you're looking for things to, to, to talk about. And Marcus Freeman gives us a, a nice meaty sandwich to chew on here. So I'm appreciative of that, but it kind of gets Notre Dame talking and, um, back into that kind of conversation between like Saban and, and Jimbo. Well, this is Notre Dame. They're their new head coach, ex, ex coach over at Ohio state, ex player at Ohio state. So that's, it's a talking point. Now I've said on this, on this show before half a dozen times that kids at other premier marquee schools don't go to class. And I believe that to be true based off of my experience and, and working with kids that have gone on to other schools, things that I've heard, um, so it's it's nice to get some confirmation from Coach Freeman that yes, this is in fact the case. Now, going to class, you can interpret that whichever way you want. But as an ex player, yeah, we were we had to go to class. I didn't like the the choice of words in terms of him saying Notre Dame players are forced to go to class. I think that carries a little bit of a negative connotation. But I I see what he means. Um, I think it's a little bit of quasi bulletin board material for a week one matchup in Columbus. I think that's, that's fun, but it just, I think at the core of it, Mike, coach Freeman's a competitor. Um, and he's not afraid to stick his neck out for his, for his team. And, um, I love to see it. I love to see it. And mm. the other, the other element to it, and I've had this conversation before I even got involved with Notre Dame coverage and working with, alongside yourself, Ohio State fans are the worst, right? They're the worst. In my experience, they're the worst. Um, and I've had conversations at bars. I like to mix it up, you know, needle people a little bit. And it'd be like, what are you rooting for? Like, as an Ohio State fan, you got that sweet O tattoo on your arm, even though you never went to school there, whatever is the case. Like, what are you rooting for? And exploitation is always a strong word to me, but what are your graduation rates? 40, 50% on, on a good year. So the, all these kids are, you know, they sign 18, 20, 22 kids coming out of high school. Kids try and use Ohio state as a springboard to get to the NFL when it doesn't work out for 85% of them. Um, what are those kids left with? So you're not bettering young man, young, excuse me, you're not bettering young man, men in like the grand scheme of things. And which goes back to what the first things I said on the show today, Mike, it's things like that. What coach Freeman's talking about um, is as big of a reason to root for Notre Dame football and Notre Dame athletics as anything. It's kids come into the program and they leave much more polished, much more developed, much more prepared for the rest of their life. And it's not just a sole focus on ball. Yeah. A couple things. I I do think they're like Ohio state people getting upset about this. I think they're putting words into Freeman's mouth. He did not call out Ohio state. I mean, you just kind of have to read in between the lines a little bit. So, you know, yeah, if it's, he nuanced. Said, it's nuanced. If it is like, if he would have said Ohio state, you don't go to class there. That's huge bulletin board material. But like, if they took that quote that we had up on the screen uh, for YouTube audience, there's the bracket, which in journalism, you know, if you're quoting somebody, you add the bracket to add context, but that's the writer doing that and not the actual, you know, person being quoted. So that's, that's the thing. And then I did find that, um, an article about also on 11 warriors, um, 
Freeman saying um, about, um, thank God I did not make the wrong decision twice um, about um, picking Ohio State um, over Notre Dame. I don't know if it I is. Love it. I don't Tell think it's it said it, in this article, but Ohio State's DC last year, uh, Carrie Coombs, I, th- I think that was the name, um, he got let go. And they were looking for a defensive coordinator this offseason. You know who they wanted? They wanted, they wanted Marcus sure. Freeman to come home. And, um, yeah, that's uh, that's Freeman. Um, yeah, Freeman hasn't Freeman hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything outside of we lost the bowl game, which, right, is his first game. But he hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, even him, you know, greeting the Notre Dame baseball team after they – they made it to the world series, like just all these little things that the guy consistently does. And you almost think like he's got a clone or something. Like how is he everywhere? Um, And I think Ashton had a tweet, like the man is everywhere. So I think this is a little segue because I do know you want to talk about CJ Carr. And before we kind of put a pin in this Ohio state Freeman, passive aggressive, nuanced kind of slight Anytime we can rile up a Michigan fan base or anytime we can rile up an Ohio State fan base, the fact that Ohio State thinks that they're talking about him, they're being a little bit sensitive, you love it, right? Because they know it, you know it bothers them, right? So there's going to be, we stole CJ Carr away from you know, uh, Michigan, right? Um, oh, we didn't want him anyways, but you know at the core it bothers them because you know that the same way that Michigan fans wanted CJ Carr is the same way that Ohio State fans wanted Freeman to come back and be their DC. And Freeman's just kind of turning that knife tactfully. He's kind of turning that knife, and I'm here for it. Love to see it. Okay. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a former Notre Dame player, it's got you, you got to be happy that Notre Dame landed an elite quarterback, obviously. But when you land someone with the last name Carr, it's got to make it a little bit sweeter. Now, for you, I believe the two programs, you're going to have to stink me if I'm wrong here, the two programs you, you hated the most were uh, Michigan State and Boston College, right? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. It depends on the day, dude. I mean, there's a rotation of, of hate. <laughs> okay, but no, I'm saying, give yeah, that's a, that's fair to say. Yeah, Boston College would probably be my number one. Um, like you know, and again, USC is a strong rivalry, but I, I some I respected USC. Okay, I respected them. 
Um, yeah, Michigan, I, I, I didn't respect Michigan. I always felt, and I would say the same, I'd say the same thing about Lloyd Carr. I felt like people held college football as a whole holds Michigan in a higher regard than they should. Um, and as a player, just watching them, I'm like, they're, they ain't all that. They're just not. Um, so that always kind of bothered me. So I wouldn't say I hated Michigan, but I didn't respect Michigan the way that you did like a USC back when I was playing. So just jumping into CJ Carr, it's like, oh my goodness, it's, it's Lloyd Carr's grandson. So my, I, we went on a visit to Notre, or excuse me, to Michigan when I was being recruited and Michigan had offered me. And I can remember being in Coach Carr's offense or off at, office rather. And I didn't like the guy. Um, and let's not, let's not conflate Let's not conflate Lloyd Carr with like Nick Saban just because he was there for 20 plus years or whatever. He wasn't just, he, he wasn't like this legend. He's not Bo Schembechler. Like he's just not, let's not make him that. So I understand the, it's fun to talk about, but. Um, Do you want to know what uh, Lloyd Carr is though? He is a part of the family now. Yeah. I mean, there he is. He's rocking his Notre Dame hat. So, um, when I first saw that picture, Mike, I thought that that was CJ's grandma. I didn't realize that was actually Lloyd. <laughs> okay. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk I think about. I texted you and Tim Hyde about that. Yeah, let's talk about CJ. The oh player. well, man, when you and Tim text me, man, I you know I love you guys both. I I have that conversation on mute. Or do not disturb, whatever it's called, because it'll just be like fifty messages, you know. And I, I ain't nobody got time for that. Oh yeah, if you wind, if you wind Tim up. Oh Tim, get out Tim, of the way. Oh man, Tim loves texting, man. And Tim's the kind of guy who Tim Hyde or, or another one of football analysts. He sends each text as its own thought, or or each thought is its own text. I should say. So you'll get like fifteen. So every time I ever text Tim. I wait about five minutes to respond to him back because I know that he's going to send me like 10 messages. So might as well just wait till um, they're all done. Okay. Well, let's pop on CJ's sophomore film and you tell me what you think, Mike. I'm I'm assuming you've been able to watch this a couple times. So what do you think? Yeah, he's a real easy thrower. Another one of these kids where he's got the, he'll continue to grow height wise but he can make all the throws and he makes all the throws look easy. Um, and similar to your boy, Angeli, he's probably a little bit slept on in terms of his athleticism. Most importantly at his young, the younger stages of his development. Again, he's a sophomore here. If we get a chance to see him move around and scramble a little bit, he's always looking to throw first. Um, I think when you break down high school quarterbacks in terms of their highlights, some of the scrambles are sexy, right? Um, but I would much rather have an accurate, smart decision maker that's got a live arm than more of a pure athlete scrambler type. So he's very much refined for being as young as he is, and that shouldn't be a surprise given his, his background and the family that he, he comes from. Um, and it's nice, Mike, you might have to explain to me and maybe our audience in terms of his, like, 
like, this is a great play. I see again, eyes downfield. I mean, he could have taken off two or three times on this particular play. DJ, he keeps the eyes downfield. CJ, field. if you're watching, this should have been your first play of your tape, man. Just, just to let you know, buddy. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. So even there, he would. most quarterbacks would have slipped out and taken off, picked up a block from that receiver, and he instead he distributes the ball. Mike, do you see this and you angle would think, right here? Mike, can I, can I just – Mike, real quick. Yeah. You would think, too, like – because if, he, if he's going to be the class of 2024, you have a much better sense of this than I do as you speak to more young kids, more recruits. But if I'm a wide receiver, this kid's going to give me more opportunities, more opportunities to catch balls in terms of then – him being dynamic as a runner because you can you can watch him and you could just it's crystallized that he's looking to to get the ball to his playmakers as opposed to picking up 50 yards extra rushing a game that's that's five more catches that are up for grabs potentially as a as a as a receiver i'm sorry mike you were going to say something i was just going to make a small comment on the i think all these high schools need to have a camera in the end zone i mean just having those throws let me see if i can pull it up just like these throws where you're looking from behind the quarterback, like this one. Again, sorry for uh, podcast audience. You just have to watch this on. I mean, you can see the cover. You, like you can read. It. I mean, look at that dime there. I mean, it's yeah. I I I just I I, I like that angle. That was, that was all I was gonna say. No. So so what you're talking about? So this is uh, football 101. The, what we're watching now, what you traditionally watch, that's a wide copy. And then that end zone is a tight copy. And I got a quick story. Story time. When I came when I came out of high school, we didn't have it's you know high school football. I had never seen a tight copy before I got to Notre Dame. I'd never seen an end zone end zone copy. And Matt Lavecchio, who was a he was in my class, my recruiting class. That's he's a, playing as Catholic, a true freshman. Catholic kid, right? Correct. Also the the home of uh, Steve Angeli. So there, yeah, there's some history there. So Matt Lavecchio is watching film on his own on the tight copy. And I had never seen that before where all these people are crossing and there's so many moving parts. Now, granted, forgive me, I'm a 17-year-old kid watching this. And I'm like, I could never pull the trigger and just let that ball fly because there's there's just so much traffic. It's like a, a six-way intersection. So yes, I completely agree with you even work that into like the broadcast in some capacity so that, cause we all say when we're watching it on the, watching a game from TV, Oh, he was open. Well, was he really? You'll never know unless you can see that tight copy. I'm about to lose my mind right now because this is something I'm so fired up about is I think NBC a couple dig, years Mike, ago. Dig. Oh, I think NBC a couple years ago tried to do some kind of different camera angle where they did build that in where you could watch behind. And all Notre Dame fans lost their minds, and they hated it. They, they I absolutely hated it. And I'm like, this this is how you see real football. Like, this is – I mean, everyone wants to criticize the quarterbacks, right? I mean, Ian – like, Notre Dame loses. Everyone's blaming Ian Book, you know, for, for three years. But when you actually get to look behind him with that end zone camera – you get to see what he sees, and if people really open, or if he was missing a ton of open guys, the the broadcast angle sucks. I mean, you just get to see twenty players. You know, maybe you don't get to see a deep safety or something, but it sucks. I you I don't I don't like it at all. You know, you, it's just the best for a casual fan. But like, if you like, I mean, you can see a run play develop. You can see totally. 
guys are open or not. Um, there's no, there's no hiding. There's especially, I mean, as a linebacker, when you talk about run fits and things, it becomes glaringly obvious in terms of who screwed up on a given, if they break a 20 yard run, watch that back in the tight copy. You can't miss it. So I, I, I'm in, I'm in complete I mean, agreement. If, but... if we had the tight copy to watch on NBC, can you imagine how much more crap Kane Madden would have gotten? Shoot, dude. Stop you. Yeah, let's not. Mike, if we keep doing this podcast, I don't want to hear that name anymore. I was thinking about him. I was, I swear to you, man, I was thinking about him last night because I'm looking at this recruiting class and it's like, oh, it's just like uh, you're looking at these recruits and the, the types of kids we're signing on the offensive line. We, you know, we might take six this for this, this 2023 cycle. And it's like, how in, in God's green earth? Did we not have somebody better waiting in the wings? It's just it's 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 do incomprehensible you, to do me. You think, I, can't, I can't comprehend it. Do you think that there was no one better behind him, or do you think it was the Notre Dame coaches being too stubborn to bench him? Combination. I think I think it was. Um, I think it was. Yeah, I think Coach Kelly, and this is we can kind of this might sort of bleed back into talking about CJ Carr. But I think Coach Kelly was very hesitant and super risk averse. He's like, at least I know what I got. Like, yeah, he's going to get beat like a drum three, four times a game. But I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it versus maybe he, he maybe just has a, a, a mental error on a given play like a younger kid might have. So a younger kid might have more physical ability, but there might be a higher likelihood that he's going to screw up six, seven blocks a game from the mental aspect, whereas Kane is incredibly physically limited. Um, but I know he won't have any mental errors. So it's just a it's just a different take on coaching where if I was ever in that position, I'm going after upside. Right. I want I want more of a boomer bust in that's my take on it. And then it goes back to like even Ian Book playing quarterback. It's like we know he's not gonna really turn the ball over but is he going to create any any big plays no well i'd, I'd just as certain play conservative versus uh swinging for the fence i just and i think that's going to change in in the freeman era okay that's fair uh, it's a it's a good take right. going back to i don't know man yeah um going back to um to car cj yeah um I mean, I've gotten this question just a couple times uh, in, in this week, today really. Carr or Angeli? Mike, you love, love Steve Angeli. You, know, you think Carr's a better – I think Carr's a better prospect. Um, and it doesn't pain me to say that because – Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. <laughs> it ain't so. What makes you say that, Mike? What makes you say that? I agree, obviously. I'm kidding. But what yeah, makes you say that? I, I just – I think you see that there's a more clear upside and jelly. It's a little bit more of a, you know, he didn't get to throw that much in high school and this, that, you know, I feel like I don't think I'm making excuses. Um, but I just think it's more obvious on car sophomore tape that he is more, he's farther along than Angeli was as a sophomore, which, you know, he was a, you know, kind of a, like a wildcat, you know, package quarterback as a sophomore because they had a senior um, 
returning starter at Bergen Catholic that year, and they were going to bench him. But um, I just think Carr checks every single box, whereas Angeli, you know, some of them aren't checks. We just we just don't know about him. You know, we 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 just don't know as much. We haven't seen as much of him throwing the football down the field as as we've seen Carr. Like the dude just. He throws really well on the run. Like he's, I think he's a better athlete than Angeli. I love Angeli's mechanics. That's you know one of my just how easy he throws the football and his feet. Carr's got quicker feet. I think Carr's got a cleaner motion, quicker motion, I should say. You know they're about the same size. Angeli's you know a little bit thicker, um, but I, I I just think Carr's probably got a stronger arm already. I mean, but. Question to you is, I mean, he seems to have it all. Like, he seems to check every single box. Like, the mobility, the bloodlines, the mechanics, the arm strength, the accuracy is just superb. I mean, is there anything that stands out to you that's... Yeah, I think... I mean, again, it's a highlight tape. He's thrown... He threw some picks last year, so we don't get to see the bad. I mean, it's, it's a highlight tape, so... But still, is there anything that you notice on there? But that goes back. So even if he does make a few mistakes and does have a, a few picks, like so be it. That's part of playing the position, right? We again, we're looking for upside. You're looking to take take the training wheels off and let your your athletes go compete. So yeah, I think he does have the tangible things in terms of size. He's got a real easy stroke. He has great feet, eyes downfield. I think he has intangibles. I've heard reports where he's when he's in these you know camp type environments that the other quarterbacks who are competing for these scholarships with him tend to follow him and kind of glom on what you love to hear. I would say the one missing element to CJ is he's not like showy, right? He's, he seems like a, like a, a very humble type personalities where like, if you look at DJ Ugly only a, did I get that right? I, it was close enough. Say it with confidence. DJ. Yeah. DJ at Clemson. Like, there's more of an aura about him. He's a little bit more showy, right? There's there's just more shit to him where CJ's like, hey, man, I'm just kind of a five-star kid. I'm probably a great son, great student, you know, great brother, et cetera. Uh, does this matter? Like, I, why, does this, why does this matter? Because I think it's – and I, this is the second time I've used the word sexy on the podcast, but in terms of, like, the recruiting world like and the, recruiting the media weirdo. coverage and stuff. I don't think he's going to be a, a – he doesn't have the hair like Trevor Lawrence. doesn't have like the rocket arm. He's just uh, – he's just not showy if I was going to – and it's not even a slight at all. I'm, but I'm just looking at it from a fan's perspective. So, all right, l- let me ask you a question. Which which ultimately, Mike, makes him a perfect fit for a program like in Notre Dame, ultimately. But if you were going to say, gosh, I wish – I wish there was a little bit more celebrity – ish aspect to him sorry go ahead mike is it more like he's a like a b plus in every area but not an a and a plus in one area like is that like i don't i don't get what him having long hair is going to do for him as a quarterback like what is the perception of him being called sunshine going to do for anything well why did uh joe theisman change his name from joe theisman to joe theisman because it rhymed with Heisman, like there is an element to that. There absolutely is an element to that. In terms of like media coverage, there's just, if somebody was like, you know, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in a Subway commercial if he's not, you know, drop dead handsome? No, like there's something to that, right? CJ Carr's last name's Carr. I mean, 
I mean, the first time he comes out on the field, you know how the, the NBC broadcast is going to just eat that up and tell that story. I mean, I think that's something that the majority of Notre Dame fans that I know, public enemy, number one, is Michigan. And Carr's grandfather is Lloyd Carr. His dad was a quarterback in Michigan. His mom graduated from Michigan. His mom's dad was a safety at Michigan, like All-American safety in Michigan. I mean, I, I think that is... I think that is that shit to him is that he picked Notre Dame over those bloodlines before his junior year of high school. And Saline, mm-hmm. Michigan is like 20 minutes from the big house. I wouldn't be surprised if he like, like is in like basically in, in Ann Arbor and, you know, just commutes to Saline. Like, I mean, he, he I don't know. I, I think that is. Again, that. it's not, it's not a, it's not a slight. But in terms of like, if you're okay, we got our we got our first or our first five star quarterback in decades, and he's a humble, quiet kid. On one hand, it's a great thing, but on the other hand, as a fan, I'm like, man, not that I want him to go get like a full tattoo sleeve or something, but like, what else can he add in terms of like, if I was if I was his if I was his PR agent or his marketing guy, how could I how could I like boost his level of celebrity? I'm just, I'm but, just saying, like, like Mac Jones, like Mac Jones, if it, like, like Tua, Tua Tagovailoa. If his name wasn't Tua Tagovailoa, would we think anything of him? No, like, there, he's marketable. Mac Jones isn't marketable. So how can we, like, is that? Am I making any sense? You do, but you gotta, I just don't get what what difference does it make? I mean, Mac Jones is going to win more win, games than Mike, my Dolphins Mike, this year. In the in the win loss column, it makes no difference. But I'm turned. I'm saying in terms of like the ascendance of Notre Dame's football program. If CJ Carr is going to be the face of it, what else can we add to like his character in the like the might would be legend of him? We'll see how it unfolds. That his last name's Carr. Fair. I think that's it. I I, I get what you're saying. But I mean, what do you think Dante Moore's would be? You know, if he if see? he were, is is he that? Well, Dante Moore, even the way he his style of play is like super reminiscent of of Pat Mahomes. He's more fun to watch. Got the hair. He's got the hair. I'm just telling you, there's something there's something to that. And I'm not even saying that like the celebrity thing is is a good thing, but I just think it'd be fun in terms of like putting making Notre Dame continuing to make Notre Dame more and more and more relevant is all. You know what's the one same of my- way, Mike, 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 Mike. Let me give you a nice case study. Okay. Our boy Rocco Spindler. If Rocco Spindler, and we like Rocco, if Rocco didn't A, look the way that he looked, which we've talked about, I mean, he just looks the part. If football doesn't work out, he can go be an extra in every mafia movie, mob movie till the end of time. He has that look, and his name's Rocco. So, like, people. And we talked about this. I think Notre Dame fandom is looking for Rocco partially based off of his look and his name. If his name was Jeff Smith, nobody would he wouldn't get as much adulation from people. You know that's true. So if you if we look at that as a case study, apply that to CJ Carr, that's the argument I'm trying to make. I don't know how the hell Rocco Spindler hasn't gotten a I'm gonna get roasted. I'm gonna get roasted. I'm gonna get roasted no, for bringing this up. No, I I'm I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. I like it. What are you drinking? This is H two O. Yeah, I'm drinking uh, sparkling water. Look, man, I had somebody drop in the comments. <laughs> um, so, what are you drinking with your wife out of town? I, I mean, 
I'm trying not to balloon up too much, so I'm trying to just all my calorie intake be food and not add in um too many extra calories. Now have I? Yes. But not this week, man. This I mean, this has been a week. When Mike texted me about doing the show, I was like, mm. <laughs> I could use that hour to chill, but it's been crazy. It's been crazy. I mean, I, I've interviewed like 15 kids and like maybe t- close to 20 in the past two days or something. Trying to write all those articles up is tough. Um, but the but the YouTube's fun. Um, but yeah, wrapping up this conversation, like, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I get what you're saying. It's as a fan, it's something you want. Like, oh, we finally got this guy, this caliber of talent. Let's, you know, ha- have you know, just some big name, right? Some big kind of personality or uh, to to lead the program. Yeah. But I think Cars is that he he fits Notre Dame and and he picked Notre Dame over Michigan and his in his bloodlines. I think that's a very marketable and uh, real thing. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. Fair enough. My computer froze. Are we good on your end, Mike? I can hear you. You look you look as good as ever. I can hear you. I can see you. We're good. All right. Well, cool. Mike, Mike so uh, if something happens, shoot me a text, Mike. Um, we had a comment here about um, – I can't pop it up on the screen because my computer's frozen. Um, Chris Ayers says, has anybody seen the junior tape from Dante Moore and the sophomore tape from CJ Carr? Which is more impressive? Um, you, you'd kind of have to go off the top of your head there, Mike. But um, I would pop on Dante film. But again, my computer's frozen. A- any thoughts on comparing the two, Mike? I would say that Dante's film is more exciting, but I think just because there's a lot more backyard football kind of weaved into there. But I think. And I've talked about that. I've called for that in terms of Notre Dame's offense, specifically with Tyler Buckner. And I do think in some of these big games where you've got high-level athletes across the board, you do need to be able to mix in a little bit of backyard football from the quarterback position. Now, I think that C.J. Carr's brand of football is how you win games, traditionally speaking. Eyes downfield, accurate, smart decision-maker, good enough athleticism. Um, like, but, but Dante Moore is a type of kid that's going to throw like a pass behind his back and you're going to see it on sports center throughout the entirety of a college football season. You're not going to get that from CJ Carr, but I think that CJ's brand of football over the, the history of the game is how you win. 
I think Dante's is more exciting. But uh, gun to my head, I'd prefer CJ as somebody that knows a little bit about football in terms of the style of play, the style of play. Even without the hair? I want to see what again, he's a young kid, but I want to see, I hope that we can, I hope to see more of his, more of his personality um, as time goes on. All right. How about we try to get him on the show? Maybe we'll try to get him on the show uh, tomorrow night or something. He's a great kid, man. He's a great kid. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He seems I think like you guys will like hearing kid. from him. All right, so update on my end. I On my second monitor over here, I'm watching the stream. It's like what you guys see is like 15 seconds or so delayed. Um, I accidentally but, – but like my, my feed on my system that I stream is totally frozen. So um, I accidentally moved Mike's box. So you, you, you're all jacked up, Mike, but um, that, that's okay. We'll just just close your eyes, I guess, people. Um, so <laughs> mo- moving on, Mike. Nothing to see here. Nothing. Yeah, to see I, here. I, I guess. But you guys can see me, so I guess I just my my computer's frozen, um, or my uh, program's frozen, I should say. Um, you wanted to talk about nil. What did you want to talk about nil, Mike? What was on your mind for that? Um, two things, maybe three things. What is it going to do to a locker room? Because this is still a team sport, and it's, it is the team sport of all team sports. That's one piece. You look at it as an, in it as an investor. That's another interesting layer to it. So I'll use that case study of that, that tight end that I worked with that became the number one tight end, Fedoni, who ended up going to the Huskers. Number one yep. player in the country. So let's say, Mike, you and I are diehard Husker fans. And we throw money into the pot to sign Fedoni, and then he's been injured for a couple years. So there's negative return on our investment. That's a bad investment. People that have boosters, specifically, Mike, that have funds, excess funds that they can throw into an NIL deal, they're smart people. They're successful people. They didn't get to where they're at making bad investments. We won't know how this, what this is going to turn into until we get two, three years down the road. But if you're paying these quarterbacks hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, and they don't pan out, you're going to lose those investors. It's just the way it is. So that's going to be a thing. Um, Because like, unless the kid ends up being the first pick overall, win a national championship, he's a Heisman contender, people aren't going to be satisfied. Mike, you know as well as anybody the nature of, college football fandom right i mean it's extreme do you mean to tell me i threw 50 grand into this pot to sign this quarterback and he he threw three picks against our rival that per, that same boosters should never and is highly unlikely to ever throw money back into the pot and then really just the uh just really it's just a locker room element where i've been at i've been here grinding it's my year to win a starting job this kid comes in and now he's worth, he's getting paid $200,000. He pulls up driving a G wagon or whatever is the case. That is not good for a locker room. And I think um, some of these programs have great culture. I think most programs just kind of have a meh culture. And I think for most programs, it's really going to hurt the locker room dynamic. I, I really truly do. And I mean, that's when you go back to like the NFL, like when Matt Stafford was drafted number one overall, I think he was, 
a high, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL as a, as a rookie hadn't even played a game yet. So that's why they kind of restructured the CBA. Something like that's got to come down the pipeline. And then the pressure on these kids, like, Oh, like the kid, the quarterback from Tennessee is the, the prime, the prime example for me. He can't live up to that hype. He, he can't. Does he care? Maybe he doesn't care. He's got $2 million in the bank. Right. I mean, he, if he's smart with it, I think another thing that's missing with this shit show that the end, I mean, this has been entirely not even mismanaged. It's unmanaged by the NCAA from a recruiting aspect is Notre Dame doing something to talk about personal finance investment with these young kids. I mean, if an 18 year old's given $250,000, they could be well on their way. If, if, if the school helps them manage that money, is there an element to that? Is that something that, the NCAA is thinking about these individual programs are thinking about. So that's, that's where I'm at. But my main focus is just in some of these locker rooms, if you've got kids, there's haves and have nots from a financial perspective, it could get messy. Sure. Um, Especially with the kids, the haves, financially speaking, the kids that are getting NIL deals, if they don't pan out, it's going to get messy. Now, do you have to play them? Do you have to play them to keep your boosters happy? Man, it could get messy. So what, NIL's been a thing for a year now? I want to say it was July 1st or June 1st of last year. It doesn't seem like it's gotten too messy in the first year in terms of this. I mean, if if like Bryce Young was making a million dollars or whatever and that pissed off the Alabama locker, you think something on that would you know leak and be a major story. But it just seems like it's going to get worse and worse and worse before it gets better right mike i do well and again bryce young won a heisman and got to a national championship so that's not probably not the best not not the best example mike but i get it i get what you're saying okay i do think it's gonna i do think it's gonna get i do think it's gonna get messy and then how does that correlate to notre dame football we will give coach kelly credit for building that culture of that brotherhood um, here at ND, but uh, my phone's about to die, brother. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It's just, you know, this is great production we have. Hey, dude, this is a high-dollar production, man. Like <laughs> so, but I, I think the way that Notre Dame's kind of going about the NIL deal with that kind of community service angle, I I think it's it's going to have the opposite effect. You see what these kids are doing as far as the community service, and they're doing it kind of uh, from from a team perspective. They're going out there in groups, so then not only are you bonding in the weight room, conditioning workouts, etc. You're going out into the community, and it's just more of more of the same. So I think all of that NAL messiness, the potential for it at other programs, I think that only strengthens Notre Dame's position. Not to mention the fact that as we speak, we have the number one recruiting class in the country again, doing it the right way. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I hear stuff all the time as I, as I'm talking right now, I'm like, what, what do I want to say on this? Cause I'm not, I'm not writing an article where I can pick my words very carefully and, and backspace. Um, it, it's definitely NIL. Oh, we lost Mike. <laughs> I guess this thing died. Um, but like NIL money is, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him back on because my, my computer's froze up. Uh, but like NIL money in recruiting that it's very much all right we got him back it's it's a real thing 
All right, let's see if this works. Come on, get in here. There we are. I was very nervous, Mike, because my computer froze. I was able to drag things from this monitor to my uh, my second monitor over here. So that's why I keep looking over here because this is where I can actually see it. My, did you get your phone no, plugged in? No, we're, we, it's charging. We're good. I had a bad outlet. So, so what I was saying was that like, I have like when I'm talking to maybe a parent or recruit, be like, what, you know, what are you thinking about this? And it's NIL is a, it's a major factor, maybe not for all kids, but your high end kids. It's like, I've definitely heard we really like Notre Dame, but NIL, you know, like we want to be bought essentially without saying those words. So from what you're saying, Mike, it sounds like it, like Notre Dame, like you said, Notre Dame's got the number one class right now per the 2023 on three consensus ranking. So everything's fine right now. So these other programs, could it be a little bit of fool's gold with NIL and recruiting that they're buying some players right now, but it might screw up their team for the long run. Whereas Notre Dame is kind of just going to steady their way past this. And hopefully the NCAA gets their head out of their arse and, and helps clean this up. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Um, Notre Dame's just going to keep doing what you're doing. There's other, well, there's another thing I wanted to touch on. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with this, but like if you were uh, an NFL GM or if you were an NFL head coach and you had a top 10 pick in the draft, forget traits, athletic traits, measurables, height, weight, speed, film, you name it, ability. What else matters to those guys? Like in terms of I'm a GM and I'm going to pick from a handful of, of guys with my first pick overall. What, are the, what does that GM and what does that head coach want to know about said player? Do you know? It's almost the most important thing. If you're asking me a rhetorical question, I don't know because I was paying attention to something else. I'm sorry. That's fine. You got to know, does a kid love football? Okay, yeah. Right? I'm about to hand over $25 million, whatever it is. Does he love football? So that's another element to this. So not everybody that plays football loves football. And... If you're a 17, 18, 19-year-old kid and you, you're, you're now worth a half a million dollars, you're going to find out real freaking quick how many of these kids love football and, and how many kids don't. And that goes back to these, these would-be investors that they can, they're going to continue to throw money at it. And then furthermore, Mike, push it out. So Texas A&M may be building their recruiting culture and their recruiting approach around NIL. And if some of these kids, these, these high dollar kids don't pan out, they're going to have to really shift strategies in terms of how they go about recruiting. Right. Sure. Is it going to be sustainable? So again, if this is the third reason Mike talking today, it's the third reason why you'd, you'd, you'd root for Notre Dame. We're not buying kids. Yeah. They're not anyway. Which it's crazy if Notre Dame does sign a top five class and they don't buy kids. That's insane. It's like, yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what NIL is, is crazy and how quickly it, it took hold. But for Notre Dame to keep it at arm's length, stay the course and still find success recruiting and hopefully it translates to the field, is, it's, it's remarkable, man. It is. 
What else is on your mind, Goolsby? Oh, we could talk about a couple of these recruits. Let's see if I can get this to work. That's the question. Oh, all it's right. all right if you don't. No, I think I can. If you all can't. right. So here's a player that I, I think Notre Dame will end up with yeah, in, their, get into that. in their 2023 class. Shift along to a different subject here. St. Louis DeSmet, four-star cornerback Christian Gray. Um, if you follow my coverage at BlueAndGold.com, you've been reading and hearing about this young man a ton. Officially visited this past weekend. To me, he's one of the more um, key players for the Irish in this class because of Notre Dame's woes at cornerback. So if they do land him, then this is a pretty big deal. So let's pop on his – this is some of his junior tape, Mike. This is your first time watching him. Um, just curious to kind of just give us your live play-by-play insights on him. Very much reminds me of um, Avante Dickerson, who I, I mentioned. He was a, what, 2021 kid mm-hmm. who I think was also the seventh-ranked corner nationally. Looks a lot like him on film. A little bit on the smaller side, great feet. Um, I assume he's probably got great top-end speed. Yep. That's a great play. He ran a 4-4 at Ohio State twice going in his junior season. Yeah. Yeah, and Avante ran a 4-3-9 at that same camp, at an Ohio State camp. Um, The type of kid where the technique's a little bit rough, plays a little bit high. Not the type of kid you want to overcoach in just terms of letting his uh, ability kind of take over, but it's absolutely a position to need. And this is, folks, this is me watching this for the first time. Probably a uh, probably a field corner to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is the type of kid at a, at a high school level that can squat on a, on a lot of routes because he's not worried about somebody beating him deep. Now that's a big receiver that he went up again against and competed for the ball. Yeah, he's a nice player. Nice and long. Again, not the biggest kid, but the, he is long. in terms of what we're yeah, what what you're lo- what you're looking for in a corner, he's got it. He's got some twitch to him too. I've seen him in person a couple times. Absolutely. Um that's um that's part of him. You know, he's just I mean, Notre Dame, man, I was going watching to, uh, or Tim Hyde and I recorded a video recently, uh, a live show a while back, uh, and we were going through corners, history of corner recruiting at Notre Dame in the past 10 years. It was really bad, really bad, Mike. I mean, not just really, <laughs> I was stunned. And you know me, Mr. Glass Half Full, Mr. Optimistic on stuff. It, I mean, I, I was... Uh, Yuck. I don't know what it is. I don't know why this is where when you're talking about elite talent on the edges, be it the receiver position or the defensive back, specifically corner position, those kids don't tend to be high academic kids. Like you're always going to be able to find a high academic offensive lineman. There's just not a lot of them for whatever reason. All right, um, let me throw a theory. So I, I think that, is, that that might explain the. This is some Colin Cowherd for you, right? Oh, here so, we go. Col- yes, yes, Mike. <laughs> so Colin will often, you know, say things like, you know, 
The quarterback's the most confident kid. He's the most good-looking kid, right? Gets picked first for kickball. Like, right. all this kind of stuff. I mean, the, the offensive lineman's a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit more awkward, and doesn't get invited to the hangouts and the parties and just kind of studies more. And it's just, they keep, offensive linemen typically keep more to themselves and are not the coolest kids in town. That, they, I think always, that they, always, they, always marry, they always marry their first girlfriend, traditionally. <laughs> That's another I think thing to add in there. The offensive linemen, I think they come around and then they end up really cool, right? But um, I think that might be part of it that they just they're very focused. And you know, if you're a, a good looking kid who is super duper popular and you can just kind of coast through everything, then maybe your your grades suffer. I don't know. That's that's my Colin Cowherd take. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know why that is the case, but I do believe that is the case, that it's hard to recruit. It's hard to find. Because I was having this conversation with a kid I just started working with from a training aspect, and he's, he's a higher-end kid, and he has the grades. He's got like a 3-4 GPA, and he's going into his junior year. He's a receiver, and I'm telling him he's got the measurables, length, speed. And I'm like, dude, if you can get that to like a 3-5, three, 3-6, three, um, you're going to be recruited by some of these higher – the Boston College, the Notre Dames, the Northwesterns, the Vanderbilts, the Stan, Stanfords, where those guys, those schools are really going to be on you because there's just not a lot of high academic kids that play that play those positions. Um, so in that regard, use football as a tool uh, to get into some of these schools. So, yeah, I like Christian Gray. He's probably a, a must-have at that position for us. we got to put a lot of kids in that room. I do think some of the personality types that we brought in in recent recruiting classes are kids that want to compete, um, kids that are going to chirp a little bit. So I think the more the more bodies we can get in that room that are capable, you you sprinkle in a little bit of that competitive element, and I think all ships will rise with that tide in that room. Um, we've had a couple comments about your tan. What, what's going on, Mike? Why are you so tan? Got a pool, dude. Summertime, man. I was out there sipping beers before we jumped on here. You know, parents are in town. They wouldn't come on the podcast. I asked them to. But your uh, parents? No, that's good, yeah, that's good television. Yeah, it could be. Um, sure, they've got some some recruiting stories and stuff to tell. But no, just uh, enjoying uh, a Nebraska summer, Mike. How long have you lived sun. in Omaha? Come again? How long do you live in Omaha? I think like five years, roughly. Do you like it? I do like it. Um, most of the Midwest is very much the same in terms of things to do, et cetera, et cetera. I wish there was some more natural beauty here, more water, more mountains or whatever. But the community of Omaha and the people of Nebraska, they've been, I could not ask for more in terms of networking and people trying to help one another out. It's been a great, great experience. Do you have any, um, what are you, what are you, what are you smiling Drunk at? Vigo says Singer needs to hang out at Goolsby's pool. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if Notre Dame recruits, uh, a kid to Omaha. I will, I will gladly go out there and, uh, take one of these live together. That'd be awesome. Um, That'd be great. You got any other questions over there? Any, yeah. Uh, any uh, submissions? Charlie, Charlie Weiss. 
Johnny Weiss's last belt loop um, asks you if you're going to the College World Series. I'm out of town until Sunday for work. So, yeah, I probably won't go to a game, but I will head downtown and just kind of soak in the vibe. It ends up being kind of a street fest. And I did throw up on the message board. I was like, let, I would love to help try and coordinate a little bit of a meetup with Sweet. some blue and gold subscribers that make their way to, to town. I'm not going to host a pool party per se, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to meet some people. Yeah. I'll probably make my way down there. Last comment. Your neighbors have a great lawn from Chris. I think that neighbor did pop on one of our shows and said that recently. Right. You remember that? Yeah. Mine might be nicer, but uh, yeah, I get a lot of shit. It's like, well, is, is Goolsby broadcasting from like uh the back of a semi truck or whatever. It's like, no, this is like a would be attic that we turned into an office. So I'm, I'm way up here. Hence the low window. It's very warm in here, by the way, Mike, <laughs> I'm like sweating as I'm talking to you. All right. Well, um, technical difficulties aside, this was a, it was a fun show. So any, any closing thoughts, Mr. Goolsby? No, I, I apologize that, there's been uh, such a long window of time, but I am genuinely looking forward to the season. And it's gonna be fun, dude. This is the most optimistic that I've been as a Notre Dame football alum, Notre Dame football fan in for, a long time. For and the I, future, I mean, not about just this season, though, right? Yeah, I, and it's and it's all based off of Coach Freeman. To me, he hasn't really taken any missteps. I just feel like, gosh. Not that he walks on water, but I just feel like he's doing he's he's making Everything. all the right moves. Um Everything. And and specifically like I look forward to Mike if we're still doing this two, three years down the road. How many times have we gotten gotten on one of these pods after a, a, a loss in a big game and we're it's the same old story. We're talking about Lack of talent on the edges, lack of size in the middle of the defense. It's the same thing over and over and over again. So I'm excited to see what Coach Reese's offense looks like without Brian Kelly looking over his shoulder. Um, and I think like Marcus Freeman specifically is targeting positions of need where the biggest gaps were versus a Bama and Ohio State at Clemson, you name it. Like I think he's we're fixing that so that – two, three years down the line after these big games, we're going to be having a different, different conversation. Good stuff. All right, Mr. Cool. It's fun, man. All right, Mr. Singer. All right, Notre Dame fans hit the thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, blueandgold.com. As Goolsby said, he goes on there. He's on the message board. He'll talk with you. Um, Throw up a thread. I'm more of a a lurker. I kind of lurk, you know, but Hey, you're reading. So if someone asks you a question, you might see it. So, um so yeah go to the go to the loose emoji message board rest in peace to the goat and uh all right notre dame fans we'll see if i can sign this thing off with my technical <laughs> difficulties <laughs> we'll catch you guys next all right, time michael with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky <gasps> No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.